0: Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Café, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Café, and thank you for joining us. As business owners, we spend so much time working In our business, thinking about sales and cash flow, employees, competition, operations, we forget to spend time working on our business and, frankly, working on ourselves. So at the cafe today, I have Matt DeCourcy, CEO and founder of FullScale.io, host of the podcast, Startup Hustle, and author of the book, Million Dollar Bedroom, here to offer up some great advice on the importance of building your personal brand. But before we begin, let me take a quick break. One of the topics that comes to mind is the importance of brand values. Your brand needs to have a unique value proposition because without it, your brand can lack focus and leave the market confused as to who and what your brand is about. Confusion leads to reduced trust and when people don't trust your brand, you lose sales and opportunities. However, brands aren't built on a single value proposition alone. The more value your brand brings to the market and its customers, the stronger your brand can be. As long as those values support your overall brand promise, a unique value proposition. Your brand values are what causes your target customer to consider to use your brand or products or services rather than your competition. While brand values are perceived by you, most importantly, they are perceived and experienced in the marketplace. If potential customers do not experience your values in some sense, Those values do not exist, and you leave yourself vulnerable. Remember, a brand is no longer what we tell our customers it is. It's what our customers tell us what it is. Spend time developing your brand values. Talk to your stakeholders, your customers, your prospects, industry experts. After all, it's brand values which are at the heart of successful branding. Visit theponzigroup.com to find out more. As I mentioned, I have Matt DeCourcy, CEO and founder of fullscale.io, host of the podcast Startup Hustle and author of the book Million Dollar Bedroom here to offer up some great advice on personal branding. Matt, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Angela.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have you here. I have I've actually uh, in in my 20 months I guess of doing this, I've never actually had anybody on to talk about personal branding. Um, I'm a believer in personal branding, but um, I don't know why it just never happens. So you are my first person to talk to about this, so I'm excited about it.
1: Well, I, I'm excited about that as well because I have no competition, which means I'm going to enter the marketplace as number one. And there you go. That's important, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That'll be your billing when I uh, when I post this uh, podcast.
1: The, the um, number the number one expert on personal branding on your podcast. There you
0: go. <laughs>
1: yes, yes.
0: But uh, before we kind of get going, let's just kind of give the audience some perspective about you and and your in your businesses.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of people get the the question, "What do you do?" is a very common question for just people in general. and sometimes it's it's something that I can explain in depth and sometimes with an amazing amount of brevity. I mean, really in the end, I'm an entrepreneur. I've done a lot of different things um, and I continue to do a lot of different things. Uh, Sometimes to fascinate and entertain my own entrepreneurial ADD, and sometimes I work really hard to not chase those shiny things. As you mentioned, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called FullScale. You can find us at FullScale.io. We offer tech services to software companies. Uh, There's a huge shortage of IT professionals in North America, and we help bridge that gap. I'm also the founder of Startup Hustle and one of the hosts, which is a show that you have been on. I have. And, I have. Uh, wow. We, we had a good time talking about marketing and a lot of different stuff. We talk about all things entre- entrepreneur, um, anything related to startups, business, or anything that we think that can help. Uh, we're coming up on our 400th episode in three years, and that has been a fun and interesting journey. It has certainly been an exercise in personal branding. Um, yeah I 'm also an active investor in tech. Uh, we do that through the full scale brand we've uh, when I say we, I have a business partner named Matt Watson. Uh, he and I through full scale have made over a million dollars in tech investments in the last year and a half very proud of that and that 's actually all been local i 'm from Kansas City. Uh, so feeling pretty good about that and then past all that my most important startup is i am a parent to a three and a half year old and a five year old a five and a half year old and that uh, is is a learning experience every day as well
0: yeah absolutely you know what you know i've never heard anybody frame that like that that uh, <laughs> a startup uh, family but you, you know what uh, my my boys are, are much older but i remember those days i remember the You know, when they were young and you had just like, you know what, just like a business, you had to nurture it and deal with it and work on it, not just in it all the time. And a lot of negotiation uh, with your spouse and and how you parent. And it's uh, good for you. Good for you, man.
1: It it doesn't come with an owner's manual, much like a startup. Um, There's a lot of books and material out there that wants to be the owner's manual. But man, it, it definitely does something new every day.
0: I remember, um, my oldest told me one time, he said, you know, you treat my brothers really different than you, you treated me. I said, well, that's because you were the first and and I was writing the manual based on all the mistakes I made with you. (laughs) And it's, and it's true. I mean, there were just things that, that we did that, you know, we like, okay, that didn't work. So we'll do that a little different with the next one, or, Hey, that was a good, a good one. Um, yeah, it's uh is is you'll see as they get older and their personalities. I mean, they yeah personalities at a young age, but as they get older and see those dynamics, and it it becomes really interesting and and to see how they work together. And mine, like I say, mine are older now, and and they're all friends and they talk to each other and they you know work and help each other. So as a parent, I'm I'm like okay, no matter what, we did our job. Just like with my brother and sister, we we like each other and we talk all the time. And so my kids do that. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's what I'm very proud of, is that we managed to end up having three children um, that, uh, that that enjoy each other's company. One of the, the I have a few questions I like to ask all of my guests for consistency because I like hearing the answers. So when it when it comes to growing your business and continue to grow your business, what keeps you up at
1: night? Oh, wow. Um a lot of times it's inefficiency. And you know you would think it would be a, it could be a lot of different things. Um, overall, my personality style does not have uh, is not highly offended by risk so I don't really get scared about going broke. Um, I've learned how to make money and I'm pretty good at it, so that's not the thing that, that keeps me up at night. Um, I, I am so immersed and involved in my business, I often refer to it as speaking to me in the middle of the night. So it's not uncommon for me to, I'm 45 years old and I've done a lot of different things, but it's still not uncommon for me to wake up at 2.30 in the morning with suddenly, it's like that spider sense, of sorts. And, you know, and I think that um, it's when that occurs, you real, you've already known that there was an issue or a problem, and then somehow it just came to a head. Uh, I, I really am offended in many ways by inefficiency. Uh, you know, and I constantly ask myself, how can we do something 10 times faster, 10 mm-hmm. times better, 10 times cheaper, or maybe just do we need to not do this at all, which is often the best approach to increasing efficiency is just stop doing a lot of other stuff so yeah that's really what wakes me up in the middle of the night
0: okay now you mentioned you you had a partner and 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 so are do you guys meet a lot in in kind of this looking at efficiencies looking at how the business is run i mean do you spend time working on versus in the business a lot
1: Um, I I don't really spend that, don't have those conversations with him because I I work as the CEO and he actually is the CEO of a different company. So um, he plays more of an investor advisor, um, friend and founder role with me. But I do have that conversation. I'm I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by some really amazing people, both from our our entire C-suite and sales department. Um, we have regular and meaningful conversations about how to do things better, faster, or cheaper. Yeah.
0: What's the best business advice you've ever given and/or received? If it's different,
1: I think the best business advice is to start a business related to something that you're passionate about. And because if you're if you're not passionate about whatever you started your business about, and I know that might not be direct. Like if you're looking for business advice, like double down on this or don't do this or don't do that. Like the thing is you're never gonna get to that point if you're not passionate about whatever it is that you do. Uh, I used to use a a simple analogy. I said, well, I, I mean, I guess I could sell plastic And that was like my that was like my worst case scenario for like selling something that I was like not passionate about that stuck around as trash for thousands or millions of years. But, you know, really, in the end, if uh, I think the best business advice is to either work out a business, start a business, or try to grow a business around a problem that you feel passionate about solving. And the reason is, is because business and entrepreneurship are gonna chew you up and spit you out. I don't care who you are, how many times you've done it, uh, how much resource you have, any of it, it's, and the more resource and the more experience, probably the bigger, the teeth that chew you up and spit you back out are going to be. And if you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's just pretty simple. You're going to quit and, or you're going to be absolutely miserable along the way. Uh, so, I mean, I think if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, you got a whole lot of problems. Uh, what was the second part of that?
0: Oh, uh, the best business advice you've ever given and or received.
1: Oh, well, I mean, they, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, the, I, I, I mean, I, it's really in that same. And, and, you know, the thing is, is I've heard that from enough people that I can't even necessarily tell you who the first person to tell me who that was that, that said that. But I mean, I, I, I will attest to that firsthand. I, uh, you know, if you're not passionate about it, man, it becomes a grind in a hurry.
0: Well, and I, and I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time, don't start a business with your sole purpose is making money, getting rich, cashing out, right? It's because it is a long journey and I, and it's a process. And to your point, it, it gets grueling. It will chew you up and spit you out if you're, if you're not careful. And, and uh, the think you're going to hop in it, create something, cash out in you know, 60 days is a, is 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 craziness more
1: more like six years
0: yeah exactly exactly what's the best compliment you ever received
1: it's certainly not that i'm good looking i know that um (laughs) you know i the i i think the the compliments that i've received that i'm the most proud of are related to the ownership that I take in other people's success. Uh, I, I was probably, and this isn't necessarily a direct compliment, and it's, it this has a funny twist because my business partner's name, uh, his name is also Matt. Mm-hmm. We did a kind of a blind survey of what is at the time was about 100 employees, and we asked him why they came to work for Full Scale, and the overwhelming answer was Matt. Now <laughs> we weren't expecting that so we didn't we we uh we weren't sure which one but really as this as someone who takes an active involvement in all of our employees world um that was a huge compliment and it, you know I think that it, it, the biggest compliment that you can have as an entrepreneur a founder a CEO or a leader is that 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 people buy into what you're doing and on mm-hmm. some levels are willing to do that with a blind sense of faith, you know, because, you know, if if your employees and the people that you lead know that you are working in their best interest, then they will really go a lot further for you, uh, knowing that it's because they know you care.
0: Yeah. Leadership is so important. And and I and I've worked and, and consulted with companies where the well, the leadership brought me in. They were. Uh, It was really interesting to see how the general employee population reacted to them. Um, I actually uh, did an employee survey once for one of the clients I was working for because I could see there was a lot of discord in the organization. And one of the most consistent things I heard back was is we're afraid of the CEO. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But when when they come into the office, we put our heads down for fear that if we catch their eye, I'm not saying he or she, because I don't want anybody to know. But if we catch our their eye, uh, we could get fired. And I was like, man, I can't even imagine coming to work every day with that kind of fear um, and that kind of leadership in an organization. Ultimately, that's one of the reasons why I left. It, it, it I couldn't couldn't deal with that anymore from a from an outside perspective. I, I want to move towards personal branding, but I want to take one more step because you're an entrepreneur and, and my show is about business advice and entrepreneurs and small businesses, medium-sized businesses. And you have several businesses and we're going we're to, but I want to talk about one that you launched back in 2013, which was a product, which was gigabook. And so, first of all, what is it gigabook? And, and then I really want to kind of delve into what, what prompted you to start to create your own solution.
1: So 2013 was about halfway through the timeline of, of the book that I wrote called Million Dollar Bedroom. And I'm going to have to give this a little bit of preface here. So in 2009, I started a business in the extra bedroom of my home, and I lived in Indianapolis at the time. It was probably the worst time in my life <clears throat> to start a business, uh, the housing bubble had just occurred. I had recently gone through a divorce. And on top of that, I had grown discontent with my very productive and lucrative career as a district manager for the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. So I went back to school. Um, And after about a year and a half of that and bringing me up to 2009, I was really, I was running out of money and I needed to figure something out. I, I, and I'll leave, I won't get too far into this, but anyway, get, get a business started. I had a credit card with an $8,000 limit that later turned into $30 million worth of revenue. So there was a lot of cleverness and different stuff along the way. About halfway through that timeframe, um, I had, at that point, I had already hired some of my first employees in the Philippines and we had been, uh, busy building some of our own, uh, business efficiency tools and things that we used in house now, all of that said, I was about to get married, and my uh, my current wife, uh, at, but who is my second wife named Jill, by the way. Um, we, I'm not, not going to go down we, that path. Well, well, I've only had two. They're both named Jill, so it's pretty <laughs> with that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, so anyway, we were supposed to leave the next morning to go to Saint Thomas, where we were having our wedding. And I had one job. Uh, my job was to take the dogs to the to the kennel, and that was it. That was my only job, man. That was like, and I just had to get on a plane and move. Now. Of course, in true fashion for my style, it was the end of the day. And I'm realizing, man, I got to get these dogs over to the to the groomer. Um, so uh, the groomer slash kennel. And it was owned by a lady that I knew it was about 20 minutes away. And I start call. I called uh, just to let them know that we were coming. I was afraid that they were going to shut down for the day. And no one was answering. No one was answering the phone. No one is answering. I was like, man, how do I get a hold of someone here? How do you know, how can I confirm my booking? How can I do any of it? So I started freaking out a little bit because our flight was at 6 a.m. And if I didn't get these dogs there, I was in big trouble. So I, th- I threw these two French bulldogs in the back of my car. And, you know, we're driving. And I'm as I'm go- on the way there, I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know, why can't I do this online? Why can't I, why didn't I have my booking in? all this blah, 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 blah. And by the time I got there and 20 minutes later of talking to myself, I pull up and I just, the one thing I remember was I had this just big, like, oh, thank God they're open. You know, so I, if anything, I was just going to open the door, throw these dogs in and run. But anyway, so I walk in and I go into this, into this place and I there's no one up front and you know the door the doorbell rang and as i walked in and i didn't see anyone and i hear a voice in the back hey i'm back here i go in the back and this lady is in the back and she is washing like a saint bernard type dog and both her and the dog are covered in bubbles and i and i immediately knew why she couldn't answer the phone and so I said, I dropped the dogs off and on the way back, I mentioned earlier that a sense of efi- a business efficiency and a lack of it really starts to irritate me. So it was just stuck in my head. I was like, man, because remember, my friend owned this business. I'm sitting here thinking her name is Christy. And I said, Christy's losing a ton of business. How many, you know, because if people don't get what they want, they move on. They go to the next line in the in the phone book or whatever. And, you know, this is 2013. So. People did still use things like phone books, but uh, uh, so much like any soon to be bride wants to hear about on the way to her wedding and the entire time we were in St. Thomas, I couldn't shut up about this idea that I had for online booking. And I felt pretty comfortable with the fact that we had built a lot of the components of it. So the business that we had already owned was an event ticket business. We created relationships with teams, venues, stuff like that. So we had already built a lot of tools related to calendars, deliveries, notifications, stuff like that. So I'm I'm coming back in to, I'm coming back now married. And I'm like, man, you know what? This is gonna be a breeze to put together. I thought it would take us about six months Uh, anyway, so because of the seasonal nature of the ticket business, we, I needed something for my team, my developers to work on. So we started building gigabook. Now, remember, I thought it would take six months and we would be out with that. It was a couple years later and a $250,000 of investment before we collected one dollar. But the whole business was built around solving some business efficiency because, you know, now everyone uses a booking link. And, you know, you see all these different things and it's very common to schedule online. Well, seven years ago, that wasn't the thing. It wasn't the thing at all. And Gigabook was built like I wanted to and and we take a little different approach. approach because like some people use things like Calendly, which is just a bridge to a Google calendar and it's a great free tool, but what happens when you want more? So there, at the time there were companies coming up that had built industry specific tools, but I wanted, but they weren't customizable. So, you know, if you wanted to find one to run a hair salon, you could do that. But if you were any other kind, a kind of business, you couldn't, customize it. So we built Gigabook in a way that became fully customizable and did a variety of different things. Uh, So yeah, seven years later, I mean, we've got hundreds and hundreds of businesses that use it for their uh, all types of booking services groups. Uh, There's even a lot of creative things that one of the things that we were a leader in was the embeddable widget just being able to put it on your site. You talk mm-hmm. about efficiency. It also would drive me crazy because our very first iteration would redirect a visitor over to like a subdomain at Gigabook. And I remember saying, it's hard enough to get people to your website. The one thing we don't want to do is drive them somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I did a lot of that, but it's been a it's been an up and down ride on that for sure.
0: In that process of, of that you just went through, you also work with other businesses. And and I assume in some cases you're helping them develop products and things like that. So based on your experiences with yourself and and certainly with the businesses you work with, what what are the kind of the biggest mistakes do you see uh, companies making when it comes to really creating their own solutions?
1: Well, I think that well, some of the biggest mistakes that I see companies make in general uh, in the early stage is waiting too long to try to create revenue or raise capital. Um, And then sometimes you talk about you if you talk about creating solutions, they in Congress with that they are so uh, centric and obsessed with the product and all of the pieces of it that they don't get it out to market. And uh, you look at any product, you know, people buy the benefit of what something does for them, Mm -hmm. not the list of features. So they will often spend time developing a bunch of features without collecting information and input from those that would use it. And I made the same mistake on Gigabook. I remember we made a little thing that track it helps you track what a so if you were if this was a phone call and I made it at twelve thirty I wanted to put a button in there that would let me track that a that a salesperson or someone had made a phone call an email or a follow up and we spent a lot of time doing that because that was important to me, and then when we launched it, no one used it at all. And okay. I look back at how much time, effort, and focus and money we put on that. And if we had just maybe done a little better job of listening to what our users wanted, because they wanted something else that we decided not to build for the thing that we thought that was important. So, you know, really, in the end, I think it's bu- develop, building and developing unnecessary features without considering the benefits of why people are buying from them or using them.
0: Well, you know, is as, as we had talked before, part of my background is market research and so I and I've been involved in a lot of startups and, and trying to determine the feature sets and and there's so many times it's like, why do we have all this stuff? And and to your point, it's because the owner has dreamt it up. I was working with a yep. a, a telemedicine uh startup a couple of years back and when they came to us they said we you know, we want to go for uh some seed funding and we wanna validate what we have and we have these 25 features. Long story short, when we finished, only five of them were really relevant and important to launch the product, which allowed them to go after less money, get to market quicker, uh, because they weren't messing around with a lot of this other stuff. And and so I, I'm a, obviously a, a big advocate of, don't talk to yourselves, You know, get out of the boardroom or whatever bedroom, wherever you happen to be sitting, and go talk to the people that are going to use it. Help, Let them help you define what it's going to be. I, I was in the action sports industry for a long time and working with a lot of the brands. And I would go around the country, for example, in this particular case, it was a, a skate shoe. And we were after, you know, it sounds silly, but the tongue size uh, of your skate shoe, what would it be? And I mean, because it was important to the and relevant to the skateboarders on what that was going to be. And so the company that I was working with was about ready to come out with a shoe that skateboarders, uh, the really active skateboarders would have never worn. So that's, you know, so that in itself saved them a ton of money, ton of time, a lot of embarrassment with rolling out with this big launch of a, of a skate shoe that nobody was ever going to wear. So uh, let's, let's take this shift now to, to, to personal branding. And, and, and so I'm going to ask, I, I know I have a definition I know some people listening today will have a definition of what they think, but let's start with your definition of personal branding.
1: I, I think it's the, the personal brand is exactly that. It's the way that people view you. Like, who are you? What do you do? What, you know, why, why or what? You know, what are you offering? What are you an advocate for? Maybe what are you an advocate against? You know, and that stuff. Now, I... I As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I I do a lot of different things, but in the end, I'm always Matt DeCourcy. So I could sell Gigabook. I could sell Full Scale. I could do a lot of different things, but then I'm still Matt DeCourcy. So I put uh, it was, you know, several years ago. I started putting an emphasis on that because here's the thing: is if my personal brand is really strong, and I have people that want to listen to what I have to say, or let me be involved with them, or whatever, the trickle down effect of that is going to benefit all of my businesses. Now, there's a pretty easy comparison. The, in my opinion, the greatest, and this is a fictional character, but it's still very applicable, Mickey Mouse has the strongest personal brand you will find. And Mickey Mouse, and I and I encourage CEOs and founders and entrepreneurs to try to be the Mickey Mouse at their business. So Mickey stands out in front of the magical kingdom and says, "Come on in." Now he's trusted, he's known, he does a lot of different stuff, and here's the thing. You want him out in front of the magical kingdom waving people in. So if you're trying to develop your personal brand and you find your and you have Mickey Mouse in the box office, the gift shop, or emptying trash cans, then something is a little off when it comes to developing the brand. So like I said, uh, you know, and I just took my kids to Disneyland for the first time. You don't see Mickey a whole lot inside the gates. He's in there. But you see all the other characters doing mm-hmm. a whole lot of other stuff. So, you know, and and it's uh, and it was uh, someone taught me this principle a few years ago. It was someone with a really it was JC Lopez, the uh, founder and CEO of Urban Necessities, which is a huge sneaker. Resale operation based in Vegas, and you know I went out there to try to do some consulting and help them improve the efficiency in their business, which we did. And I and I asked him, I said, Jay, what do you want to do? He's like, I just want to be Mickey Mouse, and it just like the light bulbs were popping everywhere. But yeah, so I mean, it, 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 you need to as a personal brand, you that's where you need to be pushing yourself. And and remember, like I said, now if you put Mickey's face or even just his silhouette on things, it becomes a hell of a lot more valuable. So, yeah.
0: Well, I think, too, is this translate? I love this analogy Um, in looking at how you develop that. And and so many times I'll look at a a LinkedIn of somebody maybe I might be going to do business with or prospecting. And and I never get a sense of who they are as an individual, which in turn, to your point, is a great point. It also means I don't have an understanding of, of the kind of the 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 integrity and the characteristics and and frankly the personality of the brand because so many times i believe that the the companies especially in the startup world and small businesses the the brand is really a reflection of of the owner right because you're instilling your own personal values and who you are and so there's so many different ways to communicate that whether it's 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 visually or whether it's your linkedin description or whether it's the in the presentations that you do so do you have uh, a, like a checklist in your mind that if you're working with someone on a personal branding strategy is like, here are the five things, 10 things that that you need to look at, double check and make adjustments
1: to? Yeah, well, I think it starts with you have to be an expert at something. And, you know, and people would challenge and be like, what about an Instagram model that has a million followers and that's their brand? Yeah, well, they're an expert at looking good on Instagram. And Mm -hmm. here's the thing. I mean, regardless of what you think about that, they take that seriously and it is what it is. Um, In my case, it needed, I needed to establish myself as an expert in entrepreneurship and business building, which I'm also very, very passionate about, like almost obsessed about. And, you know, there's a lot of different roads and avenues that people can go down. Um, You look at and here's the thing is you will look at all of them and you'll say, wow, there's this wide array of different things that I can pursue. And many people make the mistake of trying to pursue all of them simultaneously. For me, I wrote two books. That was my first major exercise and because uh, the business that I mentioned in Million Dollar Bedroom, I exited in 2016 and I saw at the end of 2016 and I saw that coming and I remember telling my wife, I was like, I need to reinvent myself a little bit here because the ticket business, I, it required no network, nothing, nothing. I was like, in fact, I wanted to just be left alone because uh, it let me focus on Doing the stuff that I have, my relationships were more with teams and venues and stuff like that. But it wasn't uh, any kind of public persona or anything. So, uh, in order, and I knew I was, you know, here I was in my early 40s at that point, realizing you know, I didn't want to retire. Um, and I didn't want to not do anything. So, I wrote two books. And uh, so, I felt that I had the outline and the content. I hired a book editor that worked with me, and I found someone good. Like, my book editor's a guy named Patrick Price, and he, uh, he's been the editor of a dozen New York Times bestsellers. So I went and found someone to guide me through the way. Uh, people ask me a lot at that point. They're like, well, why'd you, and I released two books four months at, apart from each other. People said, well, why did you write two books? I said, cause a lot of people have written one. So, <laughs> and you know, but it's true. So the thing is, is if you, if you think that people aren't Googling you or looking at your LinkedIn or whatever, then you're wrong cause they are. Cause the thing is, is you only know so many people. So, you have to start looking at yourself and the things like you could call it Boy Scout badges, a baseball card collection, building your avatar, whatever you want to call it. That's actually why I use a cartoon picture of myself on my LinkedIn profile, because I look at myself and that profile as, an, as like an avatar. So, you know, from books that I went and then you want to. OK, if you already have a fire, it's easier to light other fires. So you got to get good at something and build that fire up. Now, that could be different. Like, for example, I mentioned JC Lopez or Remember Necessities. He had 400,000 Instagram subs- uh, followers. So when we went to start his YouTube channel, it made it very easy to light that fire. We had 15,000 subscribers before we even published a video. And that case in point is getting good at something, not trying to do six different things. Now, I've actually tried a few things. Now, seeing him make it that easy, I actually at one point tried to start my own YouTube channel and it didn't go that great. It was just okay. It was like I kind of gave up on it. And and it wasn't until someone said to me, they said, well, you should try podcasting. I said, why? And it was my friend. He was like, well, dude, first off, you have a face made for radio. (laughs) Um, just kind of joking, you know, like, Hey, you you know, you're not a spring chicken anymore, but you know, I had, I had the voice and the chatter and the ability to have conversation. But the thing that really did it was he said, but you, I said, well, why? And said, because when you have a podcast, you don't have to ask someone to give up something else to consume it. And it was like a Mind blowing moment because in a YouTube channel, people need to watch. They're not, you know, it's like and if you have the YouTube app open and you go to another app, it hits pause and just does a bunch of different stuff. But, there, you know, this guy was like, he goes, but with a podcast, people will listen while they're driving, while they're doing chores, while they're exercising, while they're doing other stuff. So it makes it a lot more palatable. I was like, oh, wow. You're right, and so then we, I moved over and went with the, you know, started the startup hustle podcast, which um, got some traction pretty quickly. Because now one of the things I think is highly important, if you want to have a personal brand that's worth a shit at all, you have to be highly authentic. You have to like, because people spot the fakeness. And the BS right away. So we started startup hustle, and I sat down with my now business partner at Full Scale and and co-host at the time, uh, Matt Watson. Now Matt sold a, a, his first software company for 150 million dollars when he's 29, and he had, he had a lot of cred, and you know that helped. But we said, well, I said, let's start a podcast. He said, about what? And I said, well, let's talk it out. And he goes, you know what? We shouldn't start it about about two middle aged white dudes from the suburbs that got rich because that story is boring and it had been told so i he, you know we said, i said we should just do it about the realist cuz i have two now two of my three books i've written have the word realist in them so i said let's just tell the real story let's lay it on people cuz it's entrepreneurship is hard so like our second episode's titled getting funded sucks And you know that's the you know so as that's moved forward, it's enabled us. You know, so we after writing books and and getting that part established, we move over and you go to podcasting and get good at something else. If I had put all that energy, bandwidth, and resource into six different things, we would probably be mediocre at best. At hopefully three. So I just think that you know that you got to really focus on one thing and move on. But remember, once you have fire. You can start other ones a lot easier.
0: That's a great point. I mean, it's I, I've been accused uh, by my wife mostly that, hey, you're you're diversifying, you're focusing on way too many things at, at the same time. So I've tried to over the years scale that back. And 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 podcasting actually uh, is part of my brand as well as as I'm sure yours. And it was about being able to have conversations to talk about what I hopefully find people find interesting and, and to, to learn from it. I mean, so kind of that educational side, um, cause you know, I don't make money at this and, and I don't get any rewards for it. I'm not, uh, you know, holding any, any, uh, trophies for podcast awards of the year or anything like that. I do it out of a labor of love. And, um, uh, like you, I, I do it w- at least weekly one or one, sometimes twice a week. And so by leveraging that and, and using my LinkedIn, for example, but also on my website and my presentations is I'm very consistent in, in the way I frame who I am as an individual. And even uh, I belong to this networking group. And, uh, and one of the things when I first joined, I was sitting in the very first meeting. Uh, I was guesting. And it was like 40 people in this room. And by the time it got to me, I'd already heard six other marketing people say what they were. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to differentiate myself from these folks? And it's, it just took, took a little bit to try to figure out. I went out and actually talked to every one of them. Hey, maybe we can partner because I wanted to understand who they were, what they were about. In some cases, we can partner. But in other cases, we will be competitors. But at least I understood how they framed and why they were framing, which gave me an opportunity to figure out how I could create my brand if you will and be able to differentiate myself um, to the folks that we were talking to so i i, and I but i love the fire idea cuz you're right if you've got traction in one it's easier to to leverage that to another and and that's uh that's a that's a great piece of advice and a good perspective for people that you know, are, are thinking about how do I do this? How do I develop my brand? Because it, again, it gets back in. it's not just something you go change your LinkedIn today and you've created a personal brand, right? It's you've got to nurture it. You got to bring it along. And and every time I tell brands when you if you have a brand promise and you break that promise, then you've done damage to yourself. So there there is that nurturing of what your brand is all about. But you said something and I just said something. and I want to talk about networking just for a second. And so networking is is you know especially in today's time we're we're zooming like crazy and we're we're doing all those things and i find that building relationships over zoom is a little more difficult than doing one-on-ones but i'm a huge believer that in 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 talking to folks having these networking meetings and trying to expand so from a from a business perspective i mean what what kind of your networking strategy
1: so it's it's funny you ask that because I've had this question a lot, and I know people that are, for all intents and purposes, professional networkers. And um, I was I was talking to so I had a, a a young college student reach out to me and want some advice from st- about some stuff, and he was doing his own podcast and some other things. And you know, I, I asked him. I said, "Well, who have you had on your show already?" And he mentioned a couple people that uh, were who i would consider to be professional networkers and i said so what do they do and he goes i don't know and it it, but that was very telling and i and now at the same time i asked him i said well what do i do and he said you're the startup hustle guy now that is a step in the right direction i'd rather be the full-scale guy because um you know, like the, the I the, the startup Hustle podcast grow, has grown a little past the labor of love. It, uh, it is something we monetized and has, has been very useful tool for us, but it wasn't always. And, you know, the thing is is when it comes to networking, a lot of people think it's just about quantity and the number of people that you talk to, Mm -hmm. it's not. It's about getting in front of the right people. And uh, there's a, a big mistake a lot of people make with networking and they go into it thinking, okay, what do I get? They're like, they have this me, 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 me. You need to go into a networking relationship almost refusing to ask for any type of withdrawal until you've made a deposit with the person that you are trying to build a relationship with. And that's something I pride myself on. Like I if I had to quote call in favors, I got a hell of a list of people to call. And 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 so with that, I mean, the way you can make deposits is simply talking to people and you know, what's Angela, what's the biggest problem that your business is trying to solve right now? Mm-hmm. and you know that's a simple question you can ask and and maybe you can Offer advice or input, or maybe you can steer that person to someone else that can help. That, sir, is networking. Right. What networking is not is going to a room that has a hundred people in it and feeling intent on meeting ninety-nine of them, of which mm-hmm. ninety-eight of them you're never going to have any follow-up with or a meaningful relationship. That's not networking. I think people get really confused about that. So right. I, I want to jump um, in though.
0: It, uh, one of the things you said is, is asking that question. But the other part of that I'd like to add is is listen to the answer.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: I see so many times somebody will ask a question and instead of having a conversation, they respond with something that's relevant to themselves and not to the conversation that you just asked the question about. And I think that's a real detriment because it just says you're not really listening to me. So where are we going to go with that? And the other thing you just said is the ninety nine versus one hundred. I remember one time being at a networking event and I watched this person and I knew who who he was literally walk around and just hand out business cards like they were, you know, candy. And at the end of the day, I have no idea if he ever got any business out of it. But to, to me, it was like, come on, how can you build a relationship when all you're doing is passing out business cards? Here's what I do. Here's my card. Here's what I do. And to me, it's like, that's not a relationship. And so that's and, and so, you know, this conversation that we're having, it really is about building connections and relationships. To your point, you can make some phone calls, call them some favors and do some things. And I know some people today that I can do the exact same thing. And yesterday I met some people and 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 the day before I met people and I try to nurture those, not get too far over my skis that I can't handle the quantity of folks, but more it's the quality of the folks that that we're dealing with. When you think about yourself and your businesses, what's 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 one of the things that maybe people are misunderstand about your offerings?
1: Oh wow. That's a great question. And thank you for asking, because I love answering this. So full scale, I mentioned earlier, I think I mentioned earlier in the episode, there's a huge shortage of IT professionals mm-hmm. in the US. And um, in 2009, I hired my first employee in the Philippines because I cu- in 2009, I couldn't find a specific type of programmer that I needed. So I'm not one for settling for th- uh, not chasing opportunity. So I, you know, I, I needed a PHP developer. And in 2009, they, those just didn't exist in the US. And so I did research and I figured out where they did exist. And that was India and the Philippines. Now, I don't know anybody in India, but my parents have employed a Filipino family that has a cleaning service uh, since I can remember. So I called the guy up and his name's Dell. I said, Hey, Dell, I need to hire some computer programmers. He goes, you know, I clean houses, right? (laughs) Which is a great response. And I was like, yeah, but I think I need to go to the Philippines or whatever. And he directed me to to Cebu City, the second biggest city in the Philippines, where um, I hired a small batch of people that still work for me today, by the way. Um, One of which is retiring after 10 years of service. So congratulations, Tess. that's great. Um, But. But with that, um, you know, a couple of years ago when we started full scale, which by the way, full scale, I've got we've got 200 employees after two years, so we've grown really fast. And the reason for that was pe- businesses cannot succeed if they don't have the resources that they need to win. And if they are priced out of the market to do that, then the other departments will suffer. So one of the things that I think is a is sometimes misunderstood is uh, I've had people that will mention that we send jobs overseas. Uh, no, no, we don't. If there aren't people to do the jobs here at all, then we're actually providing a tremendous service. And our clients... Um, aren't worried. That's not their concern. They actually then later tell us that not only they they had the ability to get done what they needed to get done, but they did it in an affordable, a, a much more affordable way, because they weren't having to compete. You know, there's and that's the thing is like a, a senior software developer, you can't make more of them. There's only so many in the bucket. So when these big companies and everyone starts competing against them, it's like an arms race, and it leaves out the middle sized and small and earlier stage companies. So they often work with companies like ours. And then they express to us later because we go back and ask them, they say, well, you know what's great is not only were we able to build what we needed to build, we had money left over for marketing, for sales, for other types of leadership or support, things that were and are plentiful. Now, you're out in California and a lot of people, well, at least they were on a wagon train out to the valley and other places. So cities like Kansas City here in the 25th largest media market in the country uh, suffer what is uh, often referred to as brain drain. So people get, they go to work for Google or wherever, you know, or they go to New York or Miami or places like that. So... Um, Really, probably one of the biggest misperceptions is exactly that. Now, being sensitive to that, that's part of the reason why we uh, take a portion of our revenue and reinvest it in our own community. I mentioned earlier, having invested over a million dollars in local startups, and I'm very proud to say, I didn't even realize this until recently, uh, half of that has gone to minority or female founders. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of different ways to make a difference. Uh, even the startup hustle podcast for our first 250 episodes, we did not have a single guest that wasn't from our hometown. And, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of ways to, to, you know, be active and meaningful in your local community. But yeah, that's one of the things that, that I say a lot, I feel is a little misunderstood about our offering.
0: Okay. All right. I got one last question. I know we're coming down to an end here. But uh, what gets you out of bed every day? What, what inspires you to get up and go throughout
1: your day? Man, that's a complex question. Um, it has a simple answer. and I mean, I think it's the, simp- the most simple answer is I'm just driven. Like I have a motor that I would love to be able to turn off. Uh, in many situations, um, it, if you ask my employees if they if they had to describe me, I bet 80% of them would say I never sleep. Um, there's been fun and interesting rumors that I'm a chatbot, that I'm a robot, that I'm a vampire, <laughs> and the reason for that is because I really don't sleep a whole lot, and they'll see me communicating in common channels at uh, all different times of the day and night. Um, But, you know, I I think what gets me out of bed is I have an obligation to the people that work with me. And I don't say for me, those that work with me to get up and do my job. And if I don't do that, uh, the ramifications of what could occur, like having a couple hundred employees is a lot of responsibility. And. Mm Um, I've been fortunate to have some meaningful and excellent mentors, one of, the, one of which is a guy named Terry Dunn, who owns a huge construction company here. And, and he'll tell you, you know, at times like this, and I'm, I'm tired of hearing during these challenging times. Um, but here's the thing is during when things are not great or the boat is rocking, you have to have the ability to put all of that on your shoulders as a leader and shield everyone from that bullshit and Mm -hmm. that anxiety and that fear and that instability. And then you also have to have the ability to then when things are better to take it all off of your shoulders and, and hand those victories out to a collective group of people. So, I mean, really in the end, I think it's responsibility. I I feel that I have so many people that you you mentioned that. Why did you come work at full scale? Uh, Matt, Dude, that comes with that, that. Okay, after that, I realized how much responsibility I had to my own people because they believe in us, they believe in me. So, I, like I said, a responsibility to not let other people down, and honestly, to not let myself down because I'm on a mission to do a lot of big and meaningful things. And if I just decide to randomly take days off or not do whatever, or you know, there's a lot of things that can call you in a lot of different directions. So if you're not gonna yeah. I, you, you got to do the things that, that make the biggest difference, not only for yourself, but for those around you.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. I love that. Well, does bring us to a conclusion. So and this has been great. I've really enjoyed this conversation and, and, and because I was on your podcast, we've now had a couple hours together, which is, which is great. Um, I'll so miss you.
1: Th- An- I'll miss you, Angelo. Don't go, don't stay too far away.
0: I will We're going to definitely have to do this again. And, um, but why don't you uh, tell the audience how they can reach you and your website and LinkedIn and all that good stuff?
1: Sure, you if you want to if you want to hear me talk a lot, you can listen to the Startup Hustle podcast. It comes out 5 days a week. I'm not the only host on the show anymore. We've actually broadened our our programming lineup in an effort to cover entrepreneurship and startups through the lens of different people. Um, uh, so we have episodes about female innovation and entrepreneurship, minority entrepreneurship, and we have also added an Amazon brand expert for people that want to learn how to sell product. Um, I'm still on about three episodes a week. You can find my books on Amazon. Um, some of which I, on Kindle I've made remarkably affordable because I'm more interested in and in, in sharing my, my point of view with people than I am in collecting your money. Um, you can go to fullscale.io and learn more about myself or us, gigabook.com. Um, and if you just go to LinkedIn and type in Matt DeCourcy, I would like to think that I come up first for the term Matt DeCourcy. Um, if you wanted to reach out to me, I mean, any of those channels are easy. You can follow us on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast. Link, you can message me through LinkedIn, or if you just want to send me an email, it's deco at fullscale.io. Definitely not hiding.
0: No, you're not. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us at the cafe today. If your business needs a CMO or senior level marketing person, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me to find out more about my fractional interim and consulting services, or to get a variety of resources. You can visit my website for blogs and videos and eBooks and all that good stuff at theponzigroup.com. And lastly, please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to tell others about the show so they can benefit from the great content like you heard today. You can find out more at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or you can find us on any major podcast platform. And don't forget to join me next week at the Business Growth Cafe. And Matt, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening
0: to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.